Welcome everyone to episode 12 of the Gamify Everything Beyond the Metaverse podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Howard, and today I'm joined by Anna. Anna, I always mispronounce your last name. Is it Stoilova? Yeah, absolutely. You can say it's Stoilova, Stoilova in Bulgarian. Uh, yeah, I'm easy. Uh, excellent, excellent. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about Rogue Fox Guild. We were just chatting a few seconds ago that you have Guild in the name of Rogue Fox, but it's really more of a play-to-earn ecosystem. So tell me a little bit more about your background and and talk a little bit about Rogue Fox. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Rogue Fox Guild is the first play-to-earn roguelike adventure game. Um, So we're building a world where uh, players can quest the barren lands, Go, uh, go and fight bosses and win rewards this way. Um, but you can link your players can uh, link their NFT and get their accessories, which are then sellable on the marketplace. So um, they can earn this way by going on quests in a very much roguelike manner. Or uh, if they don't want to play, they can also loan their NFTs. So we are very much creating a fun and engaging play to play to earn gaming ecosystem. Um, and I, I would love to dive into more detail, but uh, I'll tell you a bit about my background. Um, so I'm actually kind of like a serial entrepreneur, not like, but I am a serial entrepreneur working in, um, I've worked in startups for a few years, right? Since 2017, I co-founded my own startup um, that around the virtual reality training. So I have been, in a way, in the metaverse before that was even called by meta, metaverse by Facebook, right? So I worked in this, um, in virtual reality, back when HTC Vive was the norm and Oculus didn't exist. And then I started another, uh, another startup as well in the privacy. Um, I co-founded that as well. Um, and more recently, really, I was really interested in the Web3 space and um, definitely the, the element of community and decentralization that it offers, right? And it, in a way, everything in my prior experience has been leading to this, to starting a project that's uh, um, obviously around entertainment, but also around providing value to the users. Um, and that's really my mission here is I really want to open the play to earn gaming space uh, to everyone. Doesn't matter if you if you have if you're a blockchain veteran and have been doing this for a while, or doesn't matter if you you you're absolutely new to this. So it's about you know we're opening this this uh, genre to more people and inclusive inclusivity as well. Um, yeah, so it is definitely the project is very much female led. So, um, you know, that's an important bit as well that we are, we are mostly, mostly females, like two thirds of the founders are females. And we really want to encourage that and push women in the space as well. Uh, but we're not leading with that. We're all about gaming and exclusivity. Oh, sorry, inclusivity. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that you've been in the space since 2017 on the VR side. 
Uh, and you're right. You know, the, the metaverse has been around long before Facebook kind of coined the term it, from their perspective by becoming meta and, and re-sparking this conversation. But it, uh, more largely, the metaverse has been around for decades through the gaming industry. Have you seen um, a larger uptick in brands in the space trying to get in now? Uh, or how has the experience changed for people now that the metaverse is here? versus when you started in 2017? Yeah, definitely. So to start with, a lot of companies have included now the term metaverse, uh, specifically, let's say, in the virtual reality space. Before that, there were a lot of terminology around that, right? Virtual reality, augmented reality, XR meaning um, mixed reality. So these were the official terms. And I think now, since the announcement uh, of, of Facebook, We've had much more, um, more like, well, we're in the metaverse company that created, created 3D world. Um, and there is nothing wrong in, in that. I, I mean, I think it's a good thing, if anything, but I do feel that the NFT space and the, uh, the, the, the Web3 space has pushed this, uh, this, the other technologies around this, like specifically VRAR, that those immersive technologies have been pushed and, and driven upwards, um, so encouraged and, and promoted and, and growing because of this. So in terms of more interest in this space, uh, yeah, I do see that a lot more companies are also moving into this space as well. Um, I do believe that it will grow in terms of yeah, metaverse in general, but also immersive technology will grow. Um, but I'm, I'm really fascinated about just obviously the Web3 aspects where the more, for me, of course, the more decentralized a project and a metaverse project in particular is, in a way, the better. And I know that that's where I'll be kind of focusing my energy with my personal projects as well. Excellent. Excellent. We have several people tuning in live from LinkedIn. So thank you for your support. Uh, again, we're here in Restream, so we, we can't see you here in Discord. If you want to just say hello and where you're from. Uh, we'd love to give you a shout out. Thank you for your support of the podcast and learning about NFTs and the metaverse. Anna, you mentioned earlier um, that that you it's important to have more representation for women in this space. Um, I, I've seen a stat that says that, and I think it's counterintuitive from my experience, but that women actually over-index inside the NFT space as consumers. Where have you have you seen that yourself, and and how does that compare to where you see on the producer side? So the, the platform creator, the equity owner, the founder, the, the companies being funded. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> it's a good question, I think, because we really haven't pushed this message, I think, enough. If I've got to be completely honest, um, it's something that we're not really uh, we're not really leading with. We're leading with the play to earn fun ga gaming and roguelike gaming experience more than anything. Um, so perhaps we haven't really seen additional growth or anything like that, um, just because because of the aspect of uh, you know gender diversity in the founding team. Um, but I definitely think it's something that will probably help in the long term. Um, I think there is definitely approach for our team. I don't know. I can't generalize that all teams are like that, but um, you know we're definitely very uh, kind of how can I say honest and a little bit trans transparent and met meticulous we don't always extremely kind of over promise like we, we try to be realistic um which is something that you you obviously 
we all know here, right? In the NFT space, you see a lot of over-promises and under-deliveries, right? We are almost the opposite, right? We want to, we, sometimes we're too conscious to say, you know, we're going to do this, uh, but then we deliver and people are like, oh my God, this is brilliant. Um, so I do think that there is, there is an element of that. Um, but back to your original question, I think, like, personally, I love women-led projects, um, and I, uh, I would love to involve, be invested more in them, and I hope that people, people feel the same throughout. Um, like, in our case, though, so we have the rogue boxes, right? They're, they're, they're not bound to gender, right? We don't, we really don't think like that. So that's the reason why we didn't want to lead with this being like, well, it's a female profile picture. We are a female, mostly female founded team, but we are not leading with that in our artwork. Uh, and I'm not the artist. Sylvia even always the artist and she kind of chose this kind of route that is more quirky and fun, but it's not about well, okay, let, let's let's really push women forward as much. If this, you know, if this makes sense to a point, like they're really genderless, we've included some elements there and we just want to create equality and diversity that way. Excellent. Uh, and I appreciate that. I know that the ecosystem does as well. Uh, and just some housekeeping items. Again, Gamify is an ideal launchpad for games like Rogue Fox Guild to help provide the funding and the legal support and the marketing support to get those games and like products like yours to market. So we're excited to share that we now have staking pools live on our platform. The platform will be launching, the full platform will be launching in the next uh, quarter or so. I can't mention the specific date, but if you have some GMI tokens, you can stake them on the platform for up to 225% APY. So really excited to, to see more about your project and learn it. Maybe that's a good fit for this. If, I really want to see more projects with substance, like I, I believe that yours has, get into the space because most of what I'm seeing is a bit uh, cash grabby, if, if yeah. I can use that term. But it, it seems like that your team is, is looking to add something unique, something niche, something novel to the space. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm very interested in, in hearing more about um, Gamify, and uh, I don't know if that's the format we want to take. Obviously. Feel free to share more. Um, yeah, um, or I can, I can tell you basically about the 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 uniqueness that you're talking about. <laughs> Definitely the spamminess. I think we covered this uh, this this earlier on. But um, every day I'm surprised by the amount of how can I say the amount of uh, fakeness there is out there in this world, and it's disappointing because it kind of it puts everyone down to a point, right? When you're a quality project, it's it's a little bit, yeah, obviously there, the trust in the community for all NFT projects are is down, for example, if they see some some uh, rug pulls out there. Uh, but hopefully in our community, what we get is people that are happy that Tuka found us um, and, and they're saying, obviously, wow, thank you for uh, being so professional, etc. Um, and they trust us completely that front. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, I put up a, a poll on LinkedIn about that, you know, what did play to earn and metaverse companies need, uh, you know, most and funding so far is, is leading with about 50% of the votes. But in the comments, I think is where the most interesting conversation and context is happening. This is actually a pretty intense debate from uh, someone who's traditionally from the gaming industry, about 40 years in the industry and has seen, you know, subscriptions come and go and loot boxes come and go and and really kind of sees NFTs as a tchotchke, uh, another 
get rich quick scheme. And and this individual is is just I don't want to say ignorant, but is is unwilling to consider even the conversation of what the real opportunities in NFTs could be. Uh, and 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 to to their credit, you know, you have seen tulips, the tulip rush come and go. You've seen uh, Beanie Babies, which which this person uses as an example. So NFTs, in some regards, could resemble that in the future, especially with a lot of the hype that we're seeing. But there's this other opportunity around, like giving agency to the community, um, creating these assets that that exist and and persist beyond the game, uh, potentially sharing IP mm. with the community. There's so much value there that I think isn't being discussed because of, like you said, like all these rug pulls. Um, how how have you helped? really overcome that that objection and, and, and I don't know, lack of, of interest from game developers? Because you are, first and foremost, I believe, a game development company that's leveraging Web3 and blockchain. Uh, yeah, in a way, we are, definitely. Um, so so <laughs> it is still a little bit tricky, I would say. I, I think the market for, for play to one gaming is definitely quite concentrated in Southeast Asia, uh, and we've spoken to some partners there, uh, and I feel that they're obviously people from there much more open and, and knowledgeable about the area. Um, so I, I actually read an article about about the summarizing why gamers are still hesitant to get into NFTs and and, and play to earn as well, but mostly NFTs because they kind of see the NFTs as just additional uh, money grab or something like that. You know, they've already paid for their game. And, you know, they, they have to buy something else, right? Whereas in the music industry, it seemed more like a token of ownership, a, a, a token of belonging and adding additional value, right? So um, how do we move one from one to the other? So first of all, uh, by, by getting the tokens there, like, you know, you shouldn't be charging them as well, right? After, for the game itself. So the token should provide so much value for the future, that it's a no-brainer for, for those gamers to just to, to want to uh, join and, and play. Then obviously the NFT is increasing in value. Then they get additional value like in perpetuity. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's that's something that going back to the value that you said about the community. That's like one thing that we're exploring right now. I want to say that the value keeps getting created. So how we do this? Why we don't have the game like? Uh, Morgan, the developer, is also having uh, development courses. These are all given for free to the community. So he's like, well, you're going to have my courses forever, lifetime access to my courses for free. Okay, there you go. One additional bonus. I'm thinking of what can I offer because I'm also I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a design coach. I've got these services. I've offered some meetings with our most committed members. I can probably offer them some coaching or something like that. If I had some more digital product, I'll happily offer these for free. So it's like, okay, how can you how can you add more and more value? So it's so it's just only keep adding the value and not just taking it. Uh, and I think. Doing that, but in being quite uh, generous, is that the word? But giving and quite, um, you know, really thinking about those members, those community members may really help them, uh, help some more skeptics in, in the gaming industry be, be converted as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if you follow Chris Smith on LinkedIn. He's a, a partner for Gamify. He's a CEO of Big Esports. He recently posted a video as well, kind of echoing what you said. Uh, referring to Coachella, I don't know if you noticed that Coachella is, mm-hmm. is offering NFTs that basically have like VIP access to concerts or 
or it acts as a potentially like lifetime access or front row seats. I don't know the details of the entire program, but, but they're doing what you suggest, leveraging the NFT to create additional content and, and exceptional value. And they're in the music space there. We are all part of the entertainment industry, but it seems like the music industry gets it and is running with it. Whereas that's not happening in the gaming industry. And I think the other issue is that the bar is set so much higher for consumers in the gaming industry because, you know, video games are the most immersive form of uh, media and, and content you can experience as a person, right? More so than books and TV and film and, and music. It's video games. You can actually be in the story. You can be part of the experience. And since gamers have, you know, ray tracing and 4K and, you know, controllers that, that simulate vibration when you get hit or you're walking in the rain, they just, they, we have all, because I've been playing video games my entire life, have become accustomed to that. And it's it's basically like the floor. You have an E floor, this is like our experience floor. So we want everything to meet that base standard and NFTs just kind of fall beneath the bar. Mm-hmm. Right now, not all projects, obviously not yours, but most of them fall beneath that bar. Yeah. It is true, yeah. And no, I'm absolutely open. <laughs> I think we should talk about this because like what's happening is, okay, in an NFT project, uh, there is obviously what's being promised for the future. And for a lot of uh, people, maybe they don't see some, anything straight away because that it is in development. So that's something that can happen. And, and right now for us, we're building as fast as we can. We'll have our first game out by end of March. But it's not going to be tomorrow, okay? That's that's the truth because it's impossible, right? But we can add some additional value in in between. Um, but I think that's why right now, actually, our audience is that people that are new to gaming more than people that are already playing, let's say, the AAA games that are, well, I don't want to take part in this NFT community. And that's another thing there about you know, more like an opinion piece, I suppose, about people paying the big studio, the AAA studios there, uh, you know, for armor, for, you know, haircuts, for tattoos for the character that go towards companies like like Blizzard, who had an absolutely sexual scandal in there, right? So it's a, perhaps there is an element, I'm not judging everyone, but I'm not judging, but uh, perhaps there is an element of, of clash there, like, okay, well, we you know, you are taking part in this ecosystem of traditional gaming where there is not, not everything is as pretty as it seems. But, uh, you know, uh, the skeptics, if you're super skeptical about supporting smaller gaming studios like ours, right, you can really argue where, where the truth lies in there. Um, I think it's an opinion piece, but everyone has their own point of view. And I appreciate all of that, those points of view as well. Excellent, excellent. I, I want to get back to that in just a few moments, but I want to invite anyone, if you're here in Discord or on LinkedIn, if you have a question on LinkedIn, if you type it in the chat, uh, Anna and I can see it. Uh, thank you, Alona, for joining us in, in, from LinkedIn to Discord. And Mario, appreciate your comments there. You're right. It's like VIP passes. If you have any, again, comments and questions, post those in the chat. Um, if you're in Discord now and you'd like to ask a question of Anna, is it Anna or Anna? I want to say it properly. Uh, th- the latter, so Anna. Anna, if you want to ask a question of Anna live, please raise your hand. I'll promote you to the stage. You're welcome to be a part of the live Q and A. But Anna, while we wait for that, can you help uh, provide more clarity around the size of your team? I heard you mention you're an indie uh, studio, and, and I agree that you're an indie studio. And there's certainly a difference between 
what your team is producing and maybe what Ubisoft was doing when they listed that video and then took it down because it had like 92% down votes. Really? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so it's it, the difference in team matters, right? That's the truth. And um, But I wanted to say that we're inspired by those indie studios. Like, for example, you're looking at Darkest Dungeon, which is a very much the definition of indie and it's roguelike game. I've played it many, many hours. And uh, the studio of, I don't know, actually, maybe five or six. Uh, I need to come back to you on this. But it's a very small studio, less than people, 10 people, I think, when they started, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea was just two people or one person, really. Um, so they they reached so many lives, so many people, just by creating something of high quality. It doesn't matter what the team size is always, right? Um, so in our case... Uh, in our case, we are less than 10 people. So three, we the co-founders of, of, of this is with three of us. Uh, so an artist, developer, and I'm um, everything else. Um, and of course, we've got the three to four more people, advisory and social media and all that. Uh, but we are, we will be looking to grow. Uh, but you know, this is the truth that the core idea at the end of the day comes from very few people and the community, right? The community will be putting ideas into the project constantly. I think that's very important to stress. Um, but yeah, the execution of like the art and, and, and the development will be led by, uh, by the co-founders. And, and I can totally relate to that. Um, my first business in the gaming industry, my, I have an identical twin brother. He and I launched a platform called Project in Q in 2013, so almost 10 years ago. And it was a multimedia search engine exclusively for independent video games because he and I actually tried to make our own game a couple of times. And so we were hobbyist game developers and recognized like how broken game discovery is. You know, if you don't have basically the budget of a, a Rocket League or a Minecraft or, you know, for those, Formerly indie and now mainstream games, most people don't know your game exists. But in that that experience, we got to work with hundreds of independent game developers around the world, and consistently we saw the same thing you said. Most of those indie games were made by you know less than ten person teams, and in some a surprising number of cases, like one or two person teams, where you've got the same person who's doing the animation is the same person writing the story, is the same person running social media, right? Like two people, and in some cases, one person wears all the hats. But I, I think that's the power of it is that it allows you to understand how important the community is. Because let's take, and I'm not, I don't mean to pick on League of Legends or, or Madden. Madden knows when they release the next Madden game, they can almost guarantee a percentage of players will play because they built up that brand, they built up that community base, the, the following, they've got people who are, who are uh, advocates, uh, and maybe some addicts of, of the game. But you know, smaller studios live and die by their community support. They can't guarantee that revenue. So they have to have their ears to the ground. They have to have close relationships with every, as many of the people out of the community as they can versus a AAA studio where it's just a line item. Can you, you talk about how your experience has been in that space, like building the value of communities? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, I think it's exactly that, um, that you have your supporters. You need to, uh, you know, or, or they're supporting one another as well, right? This is, I think that's why I do like Discord as a format of communication between them, community members, because they can feedback ideas, not only to the, to the team members of the project, but also to one another. Um, so, so definitely the value of the community is in that, just 
obviously helping helping one another, helping the project. Um, but what I found is that transparency is key when building a community, uh, but it's also um, obviously how you communicate to people, how you ask for feedback as well. Um, it's something that I've learned from my design experience uh, in product design about asking feedback and, and not just being like constantly closed in a room, spending six months to develop a game, right? Or, or any product and then launching. Um, so we are trying to do, to do the launch like very softly and every time, like very quickly, quick, quick loops. So, so there is something out there in a week, then there is something else the other week, ideally, right? Perhaps it's a bit ambitious, but they, every other two, two weeks. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's about that constant feedback. So yeah, uh, you have probably close to 100% of your community liking what you're doing and, um, you know, uh, being on board and kind of, yeah, you have, you have that, um, kind of engagement. But like you said, the, the larger studios can afford to lose some every time they release something new. And an interesting example is also like, um, I actually forgot the name of the game, but one very much trip away game that hyped their release so much. Uh, and then when it uh, probably that happens, I think that happens a lot. But an extra hype that then when it, they launch, they actually lose and people are not super happy, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to avoid this as well that people we do not like hype too much and then disappoint, but like work with the community to create something that they love. I agree with that 100. And shout out to Sam. Uh, I'll share that here. Sam makes a great point about it shifting the paradigm, and, and it's it's not something that is natural for the ecosystem. You know, for decades, it's, the relationship has always been like uh, seller and buyer, right? Or or producer and consumer. Mm -hmm. And what blockchain allows, which I think has not existed before, is the ability to, again, like create, redefine or, or evolve the relationship to shared partnership, where because people are investing in NFTs and the IP and the success of the game, uh, it, that's different than even backing a game on Kickstarter because yes, you're supporting the game, but you, what you're buying is a copy of the game as opposed to like buying a piece of the game. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. No, I completely support that. And, um, yeah, I, I, as I said earlier, it's the beauty is the beauty of web three. And I think, um, look, I think. <laughs> It, once you have gatekeepers, uh, because all, all us as, as humans, I think we have our strengths and weaknesses, right? And I think, again, it's just when you have the flat, the hierarchy in studios or in big companies, in tech companies, right, uh, being a great example, right? You start, they start with a great idea, but then something falls, falls down the line. <laughs> so I think gaming studios are not an exception. <laughs> And I think that's why a flatter structure um, where, you know, it is decentralized, distributed, um, and the creation process is distributed may be a better solution. I, I agree with you. I think that indies will have to drive the adoption of Web3 NFTs, the metaverse, because the motivations are different. One, just the math is, is almost absolute that it will come from indie studios because out of the 1.3 million plus games in the industry, 75% are made by independent game developers. But when you think about like an indie studio versus a AAA studio, indie studios are typically more niche focused. Uh, the, the experiences are more artistic in nature, uh, definitely more novel. And, and you start to see some of those concepts be adopted into mainstream gameplay. 
But when you compare that to a AAA game studio, they're typically owned by publicly traded companies. And those companies have a responsibility to maximize profits for their investors. So naturally, they're going to align with things that maximize profit versus what may necessarily be the best experience or or the newest know, way to create more engagement for the gamer. Definitely. The, yeah, you said it there. So ma- maximizing profits, it's... Uh... It's it's the truth. It's uh, exactly so. Uh, it's about it's about profits. Um, yeah, we're we're living in you know we're living in a cap- capitalistic world, and it's fine to have profit. But I do think that larger organizations, um, yeah, do do kind of speculate that with that at the expense of end players, uh, customers, however you want to tell it. And it, no one is it, no individual is there to blame. It's just more like the system. Right. right. Um, so, yeah, I, I love things that have artistic quality and game quality as well. And yeah, that's what I want to be pushing. Uh, and, and profits, we all need to live, right? Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> to pay our bills. That's part. Yes, it's good to have that, but you have to have a, a further goal in what, anything that you do, right? It can't be just monetary value for you as an individual, even as a player, right? You know, okay, earn money from a game, perfect. But you know, if you can also have fun, then it's bingo. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I'm not against uh, you know companies generating profits. It's it's an incentive to create innovation and growth. Uh, but I, I do think right now, especially in the gaming industry, we're leaning on too much of an extreme to be profit on being profit focused. And again, it's it's at the expense of, of player communities and and the gameplay experience. I know that a, a lot of objections that I've seen from gamers is that they don't want like you mentioned earlier on the podcast, like log into a world where to do anything costs money. That that and that's one of the criticisms that uh, the person in that chat for that poll said is that you know you you basically ruined the gameplay experience by like hyper monetizing it. Yeah, yeah, pay, pay to win, uh, pay to win, really. And I think that pay to earn is a new term, right? When when essentially the play the play to play to earn gaming experiences can be uh you know problematic about that as well that you know if you don't have money to uh, invest up front you can't play like Axe Infinity you have to have one and a half thousand dollars to play so I think our vision is to to not have that kind of higher barrier um you know we, we need to see how how we run the tokenomics in more detail I cannot share just yet but. I think the overview is that the, the barrier to entry is lower if you want to, you know, play and 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 earn. Um, but I think what you were saying there about paying for everything that you do now, um, I don't know. I'm one of those stingy players as well, <laughs> to be honest. If I could, you know, how many times I was using the Steam account of my partner instead of buying my own game, right? So I'll just borrow it and play from Kim shared library. <laughs> But, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, now I feel guilty. No, I support if it's a smaller game, I'll pay, buy it. But if it's a larger game, I wouldn't. <laughs> well, like, I, I did the same thing, ironically, with an indie game. I don't know if you've played Knockout City. It's from Beeland Studios. Um, used to be Vicarious Visions that got acquired by Activision Blizzard, of all companies. We were just mm-hmm. talking about Activision Blizzard earlier. Um, and then they actually, the founding team, Kartik and Guhabula, Basically spun out of Activision Blizzard to create their own indie studio again. They, they, at the height of their, their success, they started all the way over and they've got this kind of 
dodgeball game called Knockout City. And when they launched, you know, I, I normally don't even buy games. Like I, I actually have a subscription service through, I'm a console gamer by, mm-hmm. by trade, I guess, where I just pay a monthly fee. Uh, so I rarely buy games. And then when I buy games, I don't buy them on launch. I like wait till they get the game of the year edition. So I don't have to pay for all the DLC. But this indie studio was launching and I said, I love this game. I want to see more of this game. Let me pay full price at launch to support their success. So I, I agree 100% with what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's sometimes a few pa- dollars, should we say, uh, four pounds in the UK difference. So, mm-hmm. so it's, it, you know, you know that it can make a difference. Uh, but also like, and then you have the whales that have been, obviously, they're paying for the accessories, for, for the skins and all that. So, I mean, there is payment in the current system, right? It's, it's just in a different way. Um, like, yeah, that's, that's what the gamification is about. And I think, yeah, I've, I've paid previously for additional content and all that. When I love a game, I do pay for it. Um, Basically, I think it comes to a simple principle that what you're talking about there, that players that are skeptical for the NFT space, it's all about the trust, right? As long as that's kind of, as long as we are transparent and not we as a company, but just all of us, the community are transparent and, you know, talk to them, um, essentially address their concerns and definitely do not charge them for everything. You know, again, going back to the value, as long as we add the value and, you know, that they can afford, etc., then I think they'll they'll be happy as well because that's the long term future anyway. So I think they've got a, you know that's where the market is going. So excellent, excellent. You asked the question earlier. I want to make sure I answer it. What is Gamify? And Gamify is again an, an IDEO launchpad. So the, the easiest way I can explain it is it's like Kickstarter, except instead of having to pre sell orders of your game, and again in the gaming context. Uh, in order to use those funds to go build the game, you launch your own token and then gamers and, and, and cryptocurrency enthusiasts invest in that token to provide your team the funds to go execute on your roadmap. So for those of you who are listening, uh, that's the purpose. Again, it's it's crowdfunding, very similar to what you've seen with Kickstarter or even in equity crowdfunding platforms like Start Engine or Republic. But instead of you either selling equity in your company or selling pre-selling, your product or service, you're creating a cryptocurrency uh, and the people are investing in that cryptocurrency, which ultimately will be used in your product or service or metaverse or, or game. And then you as a, you, well, not you specifically, but a developer can then use those funds to go, you know, finance the development and distribution and, and ultimately the success of that project, be it a game, uh, a metaverse or something else gamified. That sounds great. So uh, just a question. So how, um, yeah, so you have the, your, your own token. Um, and, and how is that called? It's called, uh, GMI. It's the dollar sign GMI. Okay. So we, we launched, um, through our IDO was through launch pool. It's an IDO for all types of industries. And then so we're an IDO specifically for gaming, esports and metaverse companies. And then we initially launched on pancake swap. Um, we were on, MEKX, I believe. I may be getting that acronym incorrect. Coffee's starting to kick in. But yeah, we're on, we're on a number of exchanges. And, and if you go to the website, www.gamify.gg, you can see our light paper that talks about the team, the roadmap, the tokenomics, um, the problem that we're solving, and, and the vision we have for the future of the space. 
Yeah, love it. Yeah, I mean, I'll check it out definitely. <laughs> so this is our first conversation with Marcus for those listening, some of like learning. <laughs> so no I'll check it out. But it sounds great. I mean, it sounds sounds like a very useful thing for the for the community and for for indie developers. Uh, so I'll check it out for sure. Excellent. We had a question come in from Rodney from LinkedIn. It says, "What are your plans about the bottleneck?" like other games are experiencing right now, like Axie Infinity about the hyperinflation. You, you spoke a little bit about it earlier, about it takes basically $1,500 even to get into Axie Infinity. If, if that's not something you're ready to discuss now, then I understand it. You can illuminate what, what a hypothetical solution might be. Yeah, definitely. So uh, so the, some of these elements are really not uh, not confirmed. So yes, there is very little that I can say. Um, so, I mean, we, we've got some, some ideas around, uh, first of all, yes, definitely not such a high barrier to entry, but more the value created from, uh, from the community and from, from the players. Um, but essentially, yeah, um, you, we've got the marketplace at the moment. So we, we have two elements of, of, of earning. So you have the NFTs that you can obviously loan as well as a, as an NFT holder. And you have the items that you can earn in the game that are going to have their own tokens, so they will be available on exchange. Um, but but the key is that there will be enough value to go around, so that token uh, really is is worth uh, enough. Eventually, is worth enough for the players to earn. Maybe starting a little bit a little bit smaller and then growing organically. Uh, but no, I, I mean I probably can't give you a lot of details around that because maybe my team would be. Uh, you know, won't, won't be super happy, but essentially we are working on, uh, this is, this is what all play games and play to earn games at the moment are addressing. And uh, we're working on a solution to address this kind of whale versus, uh, scholar, um, a- approach really. Um, so yeah, stay tuned with uh, our community and our website and we'll be updating this with, um, updating with more information shortly. Excellent, excellent. And I by no means wanted you to spill the beans that, uh, for, for what you have <laughs> on your timeline because obviously you, you all are working on a solution. I just wanted to, at a high level, kind of address that, that question because it's an important question. We don't want yeah. we, to see, and, and nothing against Axie Infinity's success, but we don't, gamers for sure, and game developers, as, as you know, I've seen, don't want the ecosystem to look a lot like Axie Infinity. It's, it kind of goes against everything that, that I know game developers and gamers want out of the space. No, and I think, I mean, I think Axie Infinity was created, uh, obviously the pioneer in the genre and it's created at the time that, um, they, they had this idea and they had to see how it works and it took them two years to kick it up, to kick it off. We're now analyzing what, what can be done at the current economy. Uh, so, so, so this is the approach that we'll take is like, see what, how we can do this now. But we do, we, we are hiring and we do need uh, a little bit more economic experts to, to help us with that. And that's why I don't want to say much because uh, we have had uh, some internal discussions. But um, until at this point, until we, we get a few more people involved and ask for their opinions, we just shouldn't really be talking uh, about this a lot. Sure. Totally understood. And, and I, I, I want to reiterate something that you, you touched on that this is still so early. You know, almost day one in the ecosystem. Yes, cryptocurrency has been around for, for 13 years. And, and you could say that NFTs have existed since slightly before, but popularized by CryptoKitties in 2017-ish. Yeah. Uh, but, but in terms of like mainstream play to earn games, like we're just seeing the initial rollout of that. 
And so there will be some successes and there are probably going to be many more failures. So you have to have companies try things and they either work or they don't work. And then we as a community, game developers, gamers, et cetera, learn from those case studies and then hopefully make adjustments and make improvements, ideally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, there are some other uh, examples right now that we're looking at more around... uh, Obviously, we've got the Wolf game. Uh, we're not doing anything like that, but I, I just want to give it as an example of like cra- crazy and interesting solution of of staking and like completely gamifying. But there isn't much of a game, so it's more like uh, more like an experience with crypto. But it's like okay, there is the wolf that you can really risk it. Should you take your sheep out and be eaten, or, or for more profits, or, or just keep it in the barn? Um, so this type of approach, but gamified, is what one option that we're looking at to start with. Which because we have our mini game uh, launching this quarter, so that will be part of the Plague World, but it's not going to be the full Plague World experience, right? So in in that way, uh, we're looking at a platformer where you have to obviously go through barriers, uh, you know, obstacles, fight bosses, and all that. You know, a, a standard like journey, hero's journey for for the characters. Uh, and in that way, they are competing for uh, for money, right? Um, and in this way, we're interestingly we've got some ideas of testing it early without even involving a lot of um, a lot of money to start with, just to alpha test and just to see what the community thinks about the mechanics. Going back to what you were saying about asking feedback from the community, so we have our in in currency in the Discord server that we will probably start with. People can uh, play with that currency, earn from that currency as well, which will then transition into the token uh, further down the line. But it will be actually playing something and not just like staking or just having having you know having it work for you and then just press a button. You have to play. Excellent, excellent. Uh, and what was that um, last episode that we had uh, with Ernest Spicer? He said the difference between like games made for NFTs and NFTs made for games. Like that distinction between like something that's, that's being additive to the gaming experience versus like defining the experience and trying to like mold the game around NFTs, which I think is not as additive or as helpful. We have about five minutes left in the episode. Uh, very respectful for your time and, and so generous. Uh, so thankful for your generosity of it. I, I wanted to ask one more question. Then I want to give you an opportunity to share where people can join Rogue Fox Guild. Uh, but one of the, the other statements being made in that, that debate around play to earn games on, on LinkedIn on that poll was that the gentleman or the, sorry, the person um, was skeptical that it's the revenue opportunities are sustainable, that adding, basically adding NFTs doesn't solve the revenue opportunity of 90%, 99% of, of games not being financially viable. Can you talk a little bit about where you see value as a game studio from NFTs? And again, I don't want you to spill any beans for anything that may be like proprietary, but at a high level, so that if someone like that individual is listening to this, hopefully, uh, that they they can understand and and at least start to think about NFTs and blockchain gaming differently. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, look, to start with, uh, I agree that there is a lot of risk in all of this, right? Not everyone is going to make it. I mean, because like with everything, like in the startup world, right, there one in 11 startups makes it, makes it to a level, right? It's, it's similar here in terms of it's just there is so much saturation. Like what happened in the past couple, uh, couple of months 
about uh, in the past three months, so many NFT projects. In the past one month, so many play to earn projects. I, I've just started to see it. Like we've been working since December and we've seen a lot more influence. Now, I think depending, it's like, okay, it's, you will all launch this project, but like, how do you execute it? This is where you come to, that's where you dive into, that's the details. And you can deliver or you can't deliver, right? Um, so say you can deliver. Um, already you've, you've probably removed a lot of the players out there, uh, you know, a lot of other projects that are trying as well. Um, so if, if you, then you deliver, how, how is the value created? So like right now there are, I don't know the number, but billions of gamers, right? So they, um, going back to this, so they invest in a more traditional format of, uh, yeah, like buying skins in and paying Ubisoft and paying those companies. Now, they can be moved into a, 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 an experience where they contribute to an ecosystem. So their money are added to a pool, in which that's the top level view, right? Instead of paying the gatekeepers and the public traded companies in the space, they add to the pool, they add to the ecosystem, and that that ecosystem is is that is what creates value, uh, essentially. So um, I think there is a lot of players in the world. There is a lot of uh, opportunities. So if you execute, I think, you know, you're already in a, in a much better position. Uh, it's about that. And then obviously deliver, right? Deliver quality, deliver something that people are going to love and invest. Uh, and then keep delivering that value. I think as, as a person, as a team, as a community, that's where really the hard work um, and the rest is just for me is more like just crunching the numbers you know what are the tokenomics and how like exactly how how to uh, keep sustaining that value for us this is something that uh, yeah will come into like very shortly as we're hiring our uh, team members and we, we're working on that as we speak so yeah uh, but it, it's about delivering and just keeping value to the community. And, and then you're not going to fail because you always have people to back you up as well, like back this community up. Excellent. Yeah, the community focus is, is of utmost importance. I want to give people who are in Discord and on LinkedIn an opportunity to ask one more question as we wrap up here. Um, and if we don't have any of that in the next few moments, Anna, can you, you share how people can learn more about Rogue Fox Guild? Uh, feel free to shamelessly promote your Discord websites, your LinkedIn. Where's the best place for people to get involved? Oh, we do have a, a question. Thank you, Alona. Let me let me bring you to the stage very quickly. And what I'm going to do is repeat Alona's question because while we'll be able to hear her in Discord, the people on LinkedIn and then later on in the video won't be able to hear it. So, Alona, welcome to the stage. Please introduce yourself when you ask your question. I'm going to repeat the question and then uh, then if um, Anna, then you go ahead and answer that. So Ilona wanted to ask, how do you go uh, about monetizing avatars as they're being converted into NFTs? This is for people who are joining us on LinkedIn or, or listening to the podcast later. Feel free, go ahead and answer. So I, I do need, perhaps I do need to know more about the platform, but I can imagine that you have some sort of a gaming experience, right? That's created, perhaps it's created in Unity or something like that, right? Uh, so the question is, how do you then sell those avatars as NFTs, right? Yeah. So, so first of all, I mean, there is no obviously there is no quick button. So 
Uh, I know that how we're doing it from the technical perspective, uh, without getting into too much technical details, I'm not the right person as well. But essentially, we have the NFT, so we have some assets associated with that. Um, and then we will, again, depends if it's a 3D avatar or not, but there are some integrations with the, uh, obviously, your NFTs are on a smart contract, right? So you need to create that, that smart contract as well. And you need to integrate that with the, with the gaming engine that you're working with, that your main game is, main experiences. Um, so, but if you're asking more from marketing perspective, I would say uh, it's absolutely a good idea and it's a good opportunity to do that. So I'm sure if you can, for example, in your game, have, have people that are changing their avatars, changing their skins, adding new accessories, right? Um, you can easily just, yeah, okay. So so it's a good idea to have that as an NFTs. Um, but of course, you need to have your own smart contract, right? That you build your NFTs in. So it's yours and, you know, you own the proprietary rights to those, Right. Um, I suppose, yeah, that, that's, that's my advice is to, to get a smart contract developer and, and do those, um, in a smart contract, launch it as maybe as a small, uh, small collection to start with. Uh, just maybe test it out. Like, do you actually people, uh, want to buy and, you know, maybe have it very exclusive? Just, I don't know, just hundreds. I don't know how many players you've got, but, uh, yeah, I would say do that. And the integration with the, I don't know about Unreal, but, we're doing integration with Unity, and uh, from what I hear from the dev team, it's fairly straightforward process. But I can't give you the exact details. But it, I was told it's going to be very straightforward process. Hey, folks, Rich here for RageWorks. Unfortunately, the listener question was not picked up by the audio on the LinkedIn feed, but the guest was able to answer the question. So we're going to go to that right now. Uh, that's that's the latest state of events, as much as, as I know. And then the the Play Stores as well are not gonna be super happy apparently on the App Store. So we are. This is a good point because we are that. That's why we're thinking of doing. We're doing our games in browsers. So so to avoid this kind of gatekeepers, that Steam is part of this. So I can't. Yeah, I can't tell you more about Steam, but I know that they're not liking the Play Store elements. Thank you for the question, Alona. Thank you for the answer, Anna. And we just got a few moments left. Can you please let everyone know uh, where they can find you, Rogue Fox Guild? How can they support, join the community, and, and really subscribe for the updates about what I believe is, is the future of the gaming industry? I'm sure you agree. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, do find us on, basically, we're everywhere, but uh, roguefoxguild.com, our website. Uh, or at Rogue Fox Guild, our Twitter handle would be the best places to find us. And, um, so, so at the moment we're minting, right? Like today, uh, NFTs, but, um, obviously I would love you to join our community and not, not even if you don't want to mint, if you're not into that, I'd love just to have, um, you know, to answer your questions or, you know, if I can provide any value to you. Uh, as, as community members, I'd love that. It's, so it's not about the minting, but just as an info, we are minting today on roguefoxguild.com uh, on Matic. So, so where is, what was your other question? So where is this going? Um, so just as a final world, uh, word, I would say that, yeah, I'm personally super excited about the future of this whole genre and 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 what the future can bring uh, and it's about really delivering value to the people 
monetary value, but not only only monetary, right? It's about, you know, even in the past few months working on this project, I felt like a different person, super like energized. I've seen lots of happy people, some some overtired for sure, like from all the work. But I've seen lots of, you know, new people, new world. Um, and I know it's maybe a little bit pompous to say, but I have seen a change in people. So I do believe Web3 is here to stay and play to one gaming is part, a big part of this. So, um, yeah, so do follow, get, get familiarized with the, with the genre a bit better. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to answer any questions on my LinkedIn as well. Maybe Marcus, you, you share that detail. So always feel free to DM me, uh, and check robefoxgill.com and yeah, we can, we can start from there. Excellent. Well, thank you again for being generous with your time. Congratulations on minting your NFTs today. I'm sure we'll see more about that as well. If, for those of you joining us on LinkedIn, if you don't know this, you actually can go to Anna's LinkedIn profile. Anna, stop doing that. Anna's LinkedIn profile. And if on the right side, there's a bell icon, you can subscribe to her profile. So when she posts updates about Rogue Fox Guild, you can get those directly into your feed. And, and I'm going to go do that. So I invite you to do the same. Thanks again for your time. Our next episode is going to be this upcoming Thursday with Matt Sorg from Solana Gaming. He's the director of, of the, the gaming division there. So great conversation coming up soon. You can find this episode very soon on anywhere you enjoy your your favorite, your other favorite podcasts. And actually, we're, we're just now launching on iTunes. So now basically anywhere you want, just search for Gamify and you can find us. Thank you for your time. We'll see you again soon. Good night, friends. Thank you, Marcus.